you're listening to Faith FM, welcome to Called by the Lord. And as you know, the premise of our segment here is based on 2 Timothy 1 verse 9, which says, God saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His purpose and His grace, given through Jesus before the world began. We believe that everyone has a calling by God, and today we have in the studio joining us Pastor Gavin Rowe. Gavin, thank you so much for coming in. You're welcome, Brad. Nice to be here. So, Gavin, tell us tell us just a little bit about yourself. Actually, one thing I've always found down here in Victoria, a question people always seem to have a little bit of a story behind is, do you have a particular AFL team you follow? <laughs> well, I'm actually a Queenslander. Oh, and, there you go. Um, no, I haven't. <laughs> I have to admit I have not watched one single game of AFL from oh, start to finish in my life, but I have watched a few bits here and there. Yep. But I don't have a team, no. Oh, so you prefer the cricket or? Ah, uh, yes, yes. Good I'm not, man, good not man. majorly into <laughs> watching sports. I'm more into getting out there and doing stuff. But I'm, yeah, I played rugby league in high school and nice. I'm a bit of a follower of the Maroons and um, the Broncos, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Two, two very successful teams to follow, I have to say, yes. as a New South Walesman. So. Yes, and often. Uh, you know, don't mind taking a little bit of pride in the fact that half the Melbourne Storm players are Queenslanders <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, very true, very true. Yeah. So, yeah. Gavin, tell us just a little bit about yourself, I was saying. So, where are you from? I uh, yeah, grew up in country Queensland, so, you know, a couple of hundred k sort of north, northwest of uh, Brisbane and a few different areas. My dad used to move around a bit. We grew up on uh, farming properties mm-hmm. and... Um, yeah, we sort of basically the Kingaroy to Toowoomba sort of area oh, yeah. up there. So. Nice. Yep, it's a good spot up there. Yeah, it's I a nice, just nice a, area. Up there just a couple of weeks ago doing some recording. and Okay. Yeah, really, really nice. Right. I always yeah. find it funny with Toowoomba how they have their, their flower festival yes. once a year and then the next week after it's gone, they just rip all the flowers out. <laughs> no, I can't leave them there to make the town nice just in the meantime. They rip them out and plant everything again. Yeah, Take yeah. it out at, at at its peak, I guess, before <laughs> it goes off. <laughs> well, I suppose they can sell them or something. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I mean, I'm sort of yeah aware of it. I never actually went to the flower festival as oh, such. Okay. I don't think we lived about 100 k's away from Toowoomba at any stage that I remember would have remembered anything too much. But mm. um, yeah, it's a very very pretty city, and uh, people do take a lot of pride in their gardens and stuff mm. like that. I know I do remember you know, lots of roses and all yeah, sorts yeah. of other flora and the, what was it the um, botanic gardens in Toowoomba is pretty mm. special. So what brought you down to Victoria then? Oh, well, I've only been here for seven and a half years almost. Uh, only just, seven yeah, and a yeah, half. Yeah, <laughs> just, just ministry. Um, okay. Yeah, got asked to come to Victoria and I never imagined myself working here. No, I remember no. meeting people on the doors when we would go out <laughs> on our appeal or whatever. You'd often meet people from Victoria say, mm. oh, we had to move up here before the weather killed us or something <laughs> like that, you know, and you used to think, oh, mm. it must be a horrible place to live. But anyway, um, we're here and we're enjoying many parts of it, but I'm always glad when winter's finished, I must admit. Yeah, yeah. There seems to be very short, like um, spring and autumn here seem to be very short, you know. It does. You can go from a freezing cold winter's day <laughs> into almost a boiling hot summer's day in you know, just mm. a few days. Yep. And sure it always crazy. never, you know, seems to take a long time for winter to realise that it's past its, mm. it should be gone. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> anyway. Nice. We survive. 
So you say that ministry brought you down here. Mm-hmm. So how did you get involved in ministry? Well, it's a fairly long story as in it goes a long <laughs> way back. But when I was in primary school, um, uh, you know, I remember going through the phase, I want to be a fireman, I want to be a farmer, I want to be this, that and the mm-hmm. other. I remember walking through, you know, when we'd burn off rubbish, I'd stand in the smoke and see if I could <laughs> breathe, thinking uh, that's what firemen had to do. But... Um, yeah, no, look, I probably, th- I think in the age bracket of 10 to 11, I can't really put my finger on it precisely, but I just remember very clearly the realisation coming to me that I could be a pastor. I, I mm. believe it came from uh, being inspired by, um, you know, church pastors, conference youth pa- uh, directors, and hearing their stories and their you know their experiences and things mm. like that and one day it just dawned on me i can only imagine that it was god who brought the thought into my mind because i never had in all my life i never had a single adult suggest to me that i mm. should think about being a pastor yeah um this concept just came to me one day and um I shared it with a few of my friends and then kind of after a while it became general knowledge that I planned <laughs> to be a pastor and my parents never spoke with me about it once. Yep. Um, I never talked to them about it um, and it just became common knowledge and something that people took for granted that's mm-hmm. what I was going to be and I never really wavered from that until I had um, yeah been in college for a while and then went out mm. and did some voluntary youth work and I started to realise, hey, this is no easy gig. So yeah, yeah. I actually yeah, really struggled with it for quite a while and nearly nearly changed my mind. But mm. yeah, it eventually it stuck and it's really the only career I've ever had. But you've enjoyed it, I hope. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> I, I often say I think enjoyed it is the wrong question. No, because fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I, don't, I don't choose to be a minister for enjoyment, yep. but there are many things that I find enjoyable about mm. it, but there are many things that I find quite unenjoyable as yeah, well yeah. and um, challenging and difficult and unpleasant. Mm. But um, – Overall, um, I just find it difficult to get excited about putting my energies and efforts into something that doesn't have eternal value. So yeah, that's so true, and that's so, that's all of what society seems to be about these days, isn't it? Sadly, so. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So do you do you still do a lot of youth work? You said you were involved in um, some youth ministry. Well. Before. Not specialty youth work. Um, Most of my ministry has been involved in just church pastoring. I've dabbled in a little bit of departmental work at a union office level in, Mm -hmm. well, union mission in um, in Solomon Islands. But and I've you know certainly at our annual conventions and things like that. I've been involved in youth areas of ministry, but. Mm. Um, always enjoyed working with the young people in our churches. Mm. Um, you know, I particularly find it meaningful to get beside young people, get to know them, um, try to be a role model to them mm. and encourage them to make that commitment to Jesus. So, yeah, um, yeah I think God has blessed me with... Uh, I'm not suggesting I'm a, an expert <laughs> by any means, but yeah. uh, I just think you know a, the personal connection with young people is really mm. important. It was extremely important in my childhood. Yep. 
I didn't grow up in a very happy home, but I mm. did uh, really appreciate going to church where um, I was, um, you know, I had a number of adults who took notice of me as a person mm. and made me feel like I actually mattered to them. Yeah. And um, really impacted my life. And um, yeah, I've always tried to, I guess, emulate that and encourage other adults to to emulate that by getting to know the young people in their church and taking a personal interest in them. Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. funny how, you know, we look at um, youth today and we think, oh, you know, they're so disconnected because of things mm. like social media. Mm. But things don't really change. Young people always yeah. feel a bit disconnected in some yeah. way, shape or form. Sure. and you just have to reach out and start making that connection. Yeah. You know, I've obviously done some reading in that area and it seems to me from what I've read and from what I've experienced that um, the the big... You know, there's a book called How to Really Love Your Child by a guy called Dr... Well, somebody Campbell, but anyway, <laughs> um, <coughs> Ross Campbell, I think is his name. Okay. It's, it's yep. a great book and he says that there are... You know, there is one question which is always uppermost in any child's mind, and that is, do you love me? Mm. And tragically, many children don't have that sort of affirmation even in their own home. But mm. more than just their parents, they need to know that from from adults as well, that they other adults, other mm. significant adults. And it's often said that, you know, it takes, I think they you know, say six, uh, what's the word, significant adults um, okay. uh, in a child's life makes a healthy adult. Mm. And um, it's so important for us to look out for kids. And, of course, mm. Jesus makes that really clear in the Bible that we should be uh, supportive and caring for our children. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, you think yeah. about like the roles that people have, like not just parents, because there's only ever two of them. Mm. You know, parents, and that's some, like where where people like teachers and pastors and all sure. these sorts of people have such amazing potential to impact yeah. people's lives. It's Absolutely. really cool. And, you know, not just teachers and pastors, but church elders, oh, um, yeah. church anybody really who's an adult. Mm. And, um, yeah, just, just people, <laughs> you know, uncles and... Um, mm aunties yeah. obviously so i can remember some ladies who had uh, as sabbath school teachers had major impacts on my um yeah my spiritual formation i guess you know just molding my mind toward the things of god and mm. yeah they're pretty precious people in my lives mm. in my life i should say i've only had one life so far <laughs> <laughs> well on that bombshell we'll take a quick break you're listening to called by the lord on faith fm we're here having a chat with Pastor Gavin Rowe, and we'll be back in just a minute. Do you? 
Welcome back to Called by the Lord right here on Faith FM. We're having a chat with Pastor Gavin Rowe and it's come time, Gavin, for you to share something with us, let's just say. So what on earth would you like to share with us today? We always get all sorts of interesting things. Yes, well, thankfully you gave us a few suggestions of things we might like to share. I think... (laughs) um, I think the thing that's dearest to my heart um, out of all things, apart from Jesus himself personally, mm. and obviously that could be a great thing to share, but I just I just wanted to talk about the centrality of the of the Bible, the mm. Word of God and the authority of Scripture. Yep, sounds good. We live in a time when there is a lot of, you know, clearly... Uh, I suppose questions about you know who has the right to tell you what you can and can't do mm. in all the debate that's surrounded the um, you know the, de- the 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 voluntary vote on same sex marriage recently in yep. Australia. Uh, one of the very prominent themes that has come through is that uh, you know uh, nobody has the right to tell you what you should or shouldn't do and. Mm. I've even heard just a couple of days ago, I heard this elderly lady saying, you know, I don't know who these people think they are that can tell us, <laughs> that they think they can tell us who the, who we can or can't love. Hmm. And, um, you know, it's not, it's certainly not our position personally or individually to be setting ourselves up as an authority over others. Yep. But um, one thing that has has I guess come to the fore through this whole debate, and it's not just this debate; it's the debate over, you know, whether we were created or we evolved, mm. or um, all sorts of issues. Really, yeah, is who or what do we accept as our authority in life? Yep. And recently, there has been. A rise of what we is often referred to as the new atheists, mm-hmm. and their one of their catch cries is, you know, we don't need to be religious to be moral people. That sounds like a bit of a paradox. It is an interesting uh, claim, and and you really can see that they're kind of there's an attempt here to take the moral high ground and say, well, we're moral people, (laughs) but we don't need religion as a crutch or as an excuse for being moral. We're just moral because it's the right thing to do. And, of course, immediately Uh. that poses the question, (laughs) what determines whether it's the right thing to do or not? So, um, you know, there's a book that was written in the 1880s, um, which is called The Great Controversy, and in that Mm. book... The author talks about a time which will come in the future where sophisticated arguments will be raised uh, to set aside the authority of Scripture in order for people to feel free Mm. to follow their own selfish desires. Yep. And I guess, um, you know, in my way of understanding the world and and spirituality and reality is Mm. that Unless we have something that is kind of rock solid and immovable, then the goalposts will be constantly moving and changing. Yep. Now you know That's when all I was, history, isn't yeah, it? yeah. When I was a young man, and I'm not that old now, but I'm still not a young man. <laughs> but I could never have imagined that we would have a situation where. For instance, the rainbow flag would be flying over Canberra's uh, Parliament True. House. Yep. 
or the United States president would get up and say it's a great day for America when we can now extend equality to uh, people of you know the LGBTI community. Mm-hmm. Now, while I don't set myself up as a judge of, of other people's personal choices, yep. I mention these things because they show they demonstrate a huge quantum shift that has taken place in the social mind mm. of our society. And I remember seeing uh, or listening to a man on, uh, well, I was watching him too, it was on television, a debate about this whole issue. And he was saying that regardless of where you stand on this issue, I don't think that people have really taken into account the incredible speed and, um, you know, I guess size of the shift mm. in the social dynamic of our country yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. that has taken place over the last 10 to 20 years mm. um, or even, yeah, just 10 years. Um, it's an interesting thought in a way that we go, oh, well, you know, other countries have done it, yes. so we should. Yes. And it's like, well, hold on, we've got completely different cultures. Yes. So just because someone else has done something, yeah. and, and this is, again, like on a whole variety of issues. Yeah, so I guess what I'm really saying is that we are going through a huge state of flux in our society, and, and I guess the... You know, we have as a country a Judeo-Christian background. It was basically founded on those principles, or not for those, uh, though not for those reasons. I yep. mean, we're a penal colony after all. But, <laughs> but the basic framework of our our society has been that. Hmm. And of course, now we need to ask the question: What are we deciding will be the standard? Is it just about hmm. equality? Because that has become uh, pretty popular catchphrase. Well, for me, I believe that the authority of Scripture is ongoing. It doesn't change with the passage of time. Yep. It's based, I believe, on hard evidence and experiential evidence mm. that the principles contained in there are long-standing and supportable, and yep. I've found them to work mm. very positively in my life yeah yeah so i've come to believe that the bible the the christian religious book if you want to use (laughs) that term uh has good historical uh, archaeological literary evidence which supports Mm -hmm. the fact that it's not a book that just fell out of the sky or was haphazardly or randomly put together um you know by some cranks yep uh, there's a guy who comes on Q&A regularly, he's an American you know, astrophysicist, and he said, I don't choose to believe in a book that was written by some Stone Age caveman. <laughs> and I thought, you know, really, you should have a little sign across your forehead saying, I know nothing about the Bible. And that's it, yeah. <laughs> if you study the authorship and the historicity of the scriptures, mm. it was not put together by Stone Age cavemen. Yeah. So many of these authors were highly educated, you know, quite powerful people, mm. Um you know, one after all was the prime minister of the greatest empire on earth at the time. Yeah, yeah. And that's of course Daniel. Mm. So, um, yeah, I believe the scriptures are extremely important. 
I love to memorize scripture, and um, mm. by God's grace, last year I've completed memorizing the Gospel of John, and wow. um, the Gospel is such an amazing book, mm. an insight into you know the identity of Jesus Christ, the relationship that He had with His disciples and seeks with all people. Mm. Um, you know, it's just an amazing book. And there was a guy in the early history of our church by the name of John Nevins Andrews, who's, mm -hmm. I guess, my favorite church hero. <laughs> cool. um, he was asked once, is it true that you've memorized the whole Bible? And he said, I wish that were so, but <laughs> he said, I guess if all the Bibles in the world were lost, I could rewrite all of the New Testament and most of the Old Testament. Wow. And um, yeah, I've I've always aspired to be something like John Nevins Andrews. But you know, he had a, virtually no schooling, but he taught himself to read Greek and Hebrew fluently. Wow! And um, could preach from from either in mm. the original language. And uh, I think that's an amazing achievement. And um, I just want to testify to anyone who's willing to listen that the Bible. And the study of it and the um, understandings that come from reading it mm. have meant the world to me. And I cannot imagine life without an awareness of God, a relationship with him, and mm. a clear clear set of instructions of how we should live our lives and what we should really value in mm. this world. Yeah, and like in terms of like how we should live our lives, it's not God demanding that we live our life in a certain way it's he's saying let me give you some tips yes and if you follow them your life will be incredible yes which is epitomized beautifully in deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 18 and following where he says you shall keep my commandments that it may go well with you and mm. that you shall live long in the land which the lord your god is giving you yeah yeah you know i just see the bible as god's simple blueprint saying look <laughs> if you follow these instructions, and ultimately, you know, if you think about it, it's a little bit like, I can't even remember his name, this radio host in Melbourne who's, you know, he's, he's not a Christian, mm -hmm. but he's quite a conservative, and he says, what harm does Christianity really do in our society? Yeah. Why are people so opposed to it and so <laughs> against it? And he said, when you think about it, you know, most of the charity work done in our our um, country is done by faith-based organizations mm. and um, and so you know if everybody followed the principles of scripture we could do away with yeah. all of our prisons most of our hospitals mm. and our whole legal framework would just yeah, about yeah. be unnecessary mm. uh, our police force and all those punitive kind of um, uh, institutions that our, our country depends on so yep. heavily, they'd become obsolete if everybody lived by the simple principles of the Scripture and the Ten Commandments. Mm. Fantastic. Well, thank mm. you, Kevin. Yeah, and we mm. definitely encourage everyone listening that dig into the Bible, understand Jesus, who he was, his story, and um, what he wants to share with you. Mm. Gavin, thank you so much for coming in and joining us today. Yeah, really, much. really appreciate it. My pleasure. Awesome. Thank you. You've been listening to Called by the Lord right here on Faith FM. Don't go anywhere. We've got some more great stuff coming up. Mm -hmm.